So the gun lobby may be holding Congress hostage right now, but they cannot hold America hostage. We do not have to accept this carnage as the price of freedom. Ah, the price of freedom. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. I got the feeling that something ain't right. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. Not scared. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. I'm well rested, though. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle with you. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is your broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA. Up in Oregon, on the Central Coast, 91.7 FM KYAQ. In Cozy Cottage Grove, 106.7 FM Queso. Out in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, on 93 FM WLRI. Out in Hawaii on 88.5 FM KAKU, the voice of Maui. And of course, coast to coast and around the globe, streaming on the Progressive Voices Channel, on Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, The Awesome Radio or Not, Radio Free Brooklyn, Grateful Dread Public Radio in Nashville, and of course, Radio Sputnik five days a week. I am Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow says me from bradblog.com, and we are back. Happy New Year to you. Great to be back. Great to have uh, a week off, a much-needed week off. Uh, Joining me as ever is uh, our trusty uh, sidekick, producer, (laughs) co-host of the Green News Report, Desi Doyen. How are you, Desi Doyen? Oh, I'm sick, but... I know. You you brought back a cold. (laughs) Yes, I did. Well done. Just don't give it to me, please. (laughs) I'm begging you. Um... My thanks to Nicole Sandler for filling in of the awesome RadioOrNot.com for filling in for uh, both Desi and I over the past week. She uh, gave us uh, just a a fantastic uh, week of programs, week of broadcast. So, uh, Nicole, thank you very much for that. Uh, I, I enjoyed listening to them all driving across the desert. Uh, helped pass the time, really did, and uh, and they were really great. Some really great shows in there. I don't think I disagreed with much of anything you had to say, Nicole, over the past week, except for that thing about Trevor Noah. Um, I, he's not as good as John Stewart. Uh, I agree, but uh, neither was John Stewart when he took over for Craig Kilborn. So give uh, give Trevor Noah a break. Give him a while. It'll, it'll take a while, but he's he's getting better every day. Also, by the way, Nicole Sandler not only filled in for us both on the broadcast, but on the last day of the year, she did the broadcast, and then she went out and got married on the same day. That's dedication. Or stupidity, I'm not sure. But anyway, that's what she did, and I'm uh, mighty grateful to her uh, for doing that. So uh, thanks for everything, Nicole, and uh, happy holidays, happy new year to everyone. It is uh, great, in fact, to be back. We will be speaking uh, in just a few minutes with my uh, with my guest today, Stuart Rhodes, the founder and president of OathKeepers.org. Uh, right-wing group. Some of you may be familiar with it. They call themselves part of the uh, Liberty or uh, 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 Patriot movement. Uh, about this standoff that is currently going on with the Bundy clan, at least a couple of uh, the sons from the Bundy clan and some others up in Oregon, uh, the uh, the Oath Keepers and, and Stuart Rhodes uh, participated in the uh, 2014 standoff with 
uh, federal agents in uh, in Nevada at the Bundy Ranch, but they are taking a pass on this one. I will find out why, uh, and I'll um, I'll try to hold Stuart Rhodes' feet to the fire a little bit about his own organization. That's coming up. Should be a lively conversation. Um, in the meantime, uh, President Barack Obama announced his plan on Tuesday to take executive actions to expand background checks to cover more firearms sold at gun shows online and elsewhere uh, in his attempt to curb the scourge of gun violence in the face of unyielding opposition to any new laws by Republicans in Congress and their supporters at the NRA. My friends at the NRA, introduced by the father of one of the victims of the 2012 mass shooting at the Sandy Hook Elementary School in Newtown, Connecticut, where 20 first graders and six teachers were killed. President Obama became emotional during his remarks uh, today to gun safety advocates and family members of victims of gun violence in the East Room of the White House. After citing a long list of well-known mass shootings during his tenure as president at Tucson, Fort Hood, Binghamton, Aurora, Oak Creek, Newtown, the Navy Yard, Santa Barbara, Charleston, Santa Bar- uh, San Bernardino, and too many, uh, too many other places, frankly, to list in full, Obama announced his plans to take executive action to attempt to prevent gun deaths, whether from murder, suicide, or accidental shootings in America. Every single year, more than 30,000 Americans have their lives cut short by guns. 30,000. Suicides, domestic violence, gang shootouts, accidents. Hundreds of thousands of Americans have lost brothers and sisters or buried their own children. Many have had to learn to live with a disability or learn to live without the love of their life. A number of those people are here today. They can tell you some stories. In this room right here, there are a lot of stories. There's a lot of heartache. There's a lot of resilience. There's a lot of strength. But there's also a lot of pain. And this is just a small sample. The president uh, went on to note his acceptance of the Constitution's Second Amendment right to bear arms while noting that we have long accepted that all rights in this country come with certain restrictions. Though we have a First Amendment right to free speech, he said, uh, we all recognize that you can't yell fire in a crowded theater. And though we have a right to privacy, he noted, we recognize the necessity of requiring metal detectors before boarding a plane. He went on to explain that those uh, who would otherwise not pass a background check to purchase a firearm are nonetheless allowed to do so without restriction on the Internet. He cited one website alone uh, where he says one out of every 30 gun purchases were made by felons and others who would not have passed a background check if they'd uh, purchased from a licensed local gun dealer. The president mentioned the vast majority of Americans, Democratic, Republican, and even NRA members who support background checks for all gun purchases, noting previous support for such measures from Republicans such as George W. Bush, John McCain, Ronald Reagan, and even from the NRA, which used to support common sense gun safety measures, including background checks for all gun purchases. 
president then announced four steps he plans to take using his executive authority as president. Number one, anybody in the business of selling firearms must get a license and conduct background checks or be subject to criminal prosecutions. It doesn't matter whether you're doing it over the internet or at a gun show. It's not where you do it, but what you do. We're also expanding background checks to cover violent criminals who try to buy some of the most dangerous firearms by hiding behind trusts and corporations and various cutouts. We're also taking steps to make the background check system more efficient. We're going to hire more folks to process applications faster, and we're going to bring an outdated background check system into the 21st century. Number two, we're going to do everything we can to ensure the smart and effective enforcement of gun safety laws that are already on the books, which means we're going to add 200 more ATF agents and investigators. We're going to require firearms dealers to report more, or lost, uh, more lost or stolen guns. We're working with advocates to protect victims of domestic abuse from gun violence. Too often, people are not getting the protection that they need. Number three. We're going to do more to help those suffering from mental illness get the help that they need. So high-profile mass shootings tend to shine a light on those few mentally unstable people who inflict harm on others, but the truth is that nearly two in three gun deaths are from suicides. So a lot of our work is to prevent people from hurting themselves. And that's why we're going to invest $500 million to expand access to treatment across the country. It's also why we're going to ensure that federal mental health records are submitted to the background check system. If we can continue to destigmatize mental health issues, get folks proper care, and fill gaps in the background check system, then we can spare more families the pain of losing a loved one to suicide. And for those in Congress who so often rush to blame mental illness for mass shootings as a way of avoiding action on guns, Here's your chance to support these efforts. Put your money where your mouth is. Number four, we're going to boost gun safety technology. In 2013 alone, more than 500 people lost their lives to gun accidents, and that includes 30 children younger than five years old. In the greatest, most technologically advanced nation on Earth, there is no reason for this. We need to develop new technologies that make guns safer. If we can set it up so you can't unlock your phone unless you got the right fingerprint, why can't we do the same thing for our guns? If a child can't open a bottle of aspirin, we should make sure that they can't pull a trigger on a gun. All right? That was the president of the United States announcing his uh, plans for to take executive action today at the White House to curb gun violence. Of course, uh, critics will uh, decry really anything that this president does, but certainly when it involves the Second Amendment. But of course, as the president noted, the Second Amendment isn't the only right that needs to be protected. The rest of our rights are also important. Second Amendment rights are important. But there are other rights that we care about as well, and we have to be able to balance them. Because our right to worship freely and safely, that right was denied to Christians in Charleston 
South Carolina. And that was denied Jews in Kansas City. And that was denied Muslims in Chapel Hill and Sikhs in Oak Creek. They had rights to. Our right to peaceful assembly. That right was robbed from moviegoers in Aurora and Lafayette. Our unalienable right to life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness, those rights were stripped from college kids in Blacksburg and Santa Barbara and from high schoolers at Columbine and, and from first graders in Newtown. First graders. And from every family who, who never imagined that their loved one would be taken from our lives by a bullet from a gun. Every time I think about those kids, it gets me mad. And by the way, it happens on the streets of Chicago every day. President getting teary during those remarks. Uh, he then went on to call once again on Americans to take on the gun lobby at the ballot box. Yes, the gun lobby is loud and it is organized in defense of making it effortless for guns to be available for anybody, anytime. Well, you know what? The rest of us, you, we all have to be just as passionate. We have to be just as organized in defense of our kids. This is not that complicated. The reason Congress blocks laws is because they want to win elections. And if you make it hard for them to win an election, if they block those laws, they'll change course, I promise you. So the president uh, will speak again about uh, about his plans for executive action uh, in a town hall coming up on Thursday night. In the meantime, these actions, of course, are they are the lowest hanging fruit, frankly, when it comes to efforts to curb the gun violence epidemic in this country. And, of course, the president recognized that Congress still needs uh, to take action in order to make any of this permanent and binding. And Obama announced uh, his announced executive actions they are already naturally being vigorously opposed by many on the right within minutes of uh, of him announcing them particularly those in thrall of the nra which now opposes virtually any and all gun safety requirements even including any restrictions on gun sales to those on the terror watch list Predictably, Fox News and others on the far right are claiming that these actions are an attack on the Constitution. And the good news is we have a court system to test whether or not they are right, whether or not the president of the United States does have the authority to take these measures or whether he has overstepped his bounds. That is not tyranny, as some might describe it. That is how our nation of co-equal branches of government, executive, legislative, and judicial, works. These measures will and should be tested in the courts. That's good. That is not tyranny. Though some claim that virtually any action by the executive or legislative or even judicial branch of the federal government is somehow tyrannical. And with a number of heavily armed so-called Patriot Movement members having taken over 
a federal wildlife refuge in Oregon right now for a fourth day in a row. We will be speaking about that next with my guest, Stuart Rhodes, the president and founder of the Oath Keepers organization. I'm Brad Friedman. This is your Bradcast. Stay tuned. Hi, this is Desi Doyen from the Green News Report and the Bradcast, both brought to you without corporate or political influence. Why? Because we rely on you to help keep us completely independent. Please drop by bradblog.com slash donate today and help us stay on your public airwaves. That's bradblog.com slash donate. You'll thank yourself later. I'll thank you now. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Yes, we are once again uh, all along the Watchtower with you. Brad Friedman here. It has been four days now since armed members of the so-called Patriot or Liberty Movement have taken over the headquarters building at the Mollier National Wildlife Refuge in Oregon near the city of Burns. The occupation took place following a demonstration last Saturday in support of 73-year-old rancher Dwight Hammond and his son Stephen, who served time for arson after federal prosecutors charged that they set a wildfire in order to destroy the evidence from an illegal hunt. The Hammonds were released after serving their sentence, but they were ordered back to jail on Monday after a federal appeals court determined the judge on the original case illegally sentenced the two to less than the five years Minimum sentencing requirement in crimes such as the one that Dwight and Stephen Hammond were found guilty of. The Hammonds claimed they started the 2001 fire to reduce the growth of invasive plants and to protect their own property from wildfires, but that the fire got out of hand, burning some 130 acres of federally controlled lands. On Monday, the Hammonds peacefully turned themselves into law enforcement to serve out the remainder, the remainder of their sentence, but not before a number of protesters, including Ammon and Ryan Bundy, two sons of Nevada rancher Cliven Bundy, who infamously faced off against federal officials back in 2014 when he was uh, charged with illegally grazing his cattle on federal lands, uh, they they, uh, they were charged. The the protesters uh, had broken into and taken over the wildlife federal wildlife facility in Oregon, and they have been there ever since. Now, employees were not there at the time. The protesters are reportedly armed and calling on federal government officials to return the refuge lands over to the control of local residents and ranchers. Some have decried the armed takeover as nothing less than terrorism. The Hammond family, for their part, said that they did not want the help of those protesters and local officials, including the Harney County Sheriff and other local for, uh, law enforcement officials, have refused to support the Patriot Movement protesters, all of whom are reportedly from out of state and several of whom have suggested that they were willing to occupy the facility for as long as it takes, and even die there in support of the cause if necessary. Ian Colgren, a reporter for the Oregonian, tweeted over the weekend that he, quote, talked to Ryan Bundy on the phone again. He said they're willing to kill and be killed if necessary. 
Here's his brother Ammon Bundy earlier this week. Only violence that, if, if it comes our way, will be because government is wanting their building back, and that's what it that's what it would be about. We we are putting nobody in harm's way. We are we are not threatening threatening anybody. We're 30 miles out of the closest town. And here are some of the other protesters, including uh, his brother Ryan Bundy, speaking to media and calling on others to come to Oregon and join the standoff. And this will be gonna become a, a base place for uh, patriots from all over the country to come and to be housed here and live here. And we're planning on staying here for several years. We're here only to promote the Constitution, uh, the supreme law of the land, and to help the people reestablish their rights. They wanted to stand up for their rights. We would be right there by their side. And I am 100% willing to lay my life down. And uh, here now in response is uh, Harney County, Oregon Sheriff, uh, County Sheriff uh, David Ward, in response uh, to those protesters. I want to talk directly to the people at the Wildlife Refuge. You said you were here to help the citizens of Harney County. That help ended when a peaceful protest became an armed occupation. The Hammonds have turned themselves in. It's time for you to leave our community, go home to your families, and end this peacefully. Thanks for your time. That was Harney County, Oregon Sheriff David Ward. Uh, One of the groups who answered a similar call to arms back in 2014, that call from... uh, that call came from Ammon and, and Ryan Bundy's father, Cliven Bundy, in Nevada, was the Oath Keepers Group. That armed standoff with federal officials resulted in the government backing off and avoiding a potentially violent confrontation with the Bundy family, the Oath Keepers, and other militia group members and supporters who joined that armed showdown. Stuart Rhodes is the president and founder of Oath Keepers. He is a law school, Yale Law School graduate, a former U.S. Army paratrooper and a former staffer of Republican Congressman Ron Paul. He founded the organization back in 2009 with the mission, according to the Oathkeepers.org website, to serve as a nonpartisan association of current and formerly serving military, police and first responders who pledge to fulfill the oath all military and police take to defend the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. The group and its founder have been controversial over the years, described by critics at times as conspiracy theorists, vigilantes, right-wing extremists, and even racists. Uh, Many accuse them and others in the patriot and militia movement of looking to pick fights with the federal government. Members of the Oath Keepers helped lead that armed standoff with federal officials at the Bundy Ranch in Nevada in 2014. But Stuart Rhodes announced earlier this week that his group would not be supporting Ammon and Ryan Bundy and the others who have taken over the federal facility at the Malheur National Wildlife Refuge near Burns, Oregon. Joining us now is Stuart Rhodes. Uh, Stuart, welcome to the broadcast. Thank you. Uh, Great to have you here. And listen, while I know that you disagree with uh, their particular stand in this case, and I want to give you ample chance to explain why in a moment, uh, since you personally know uh, Ammon and Ryan Bundy, as I understand, and a number of the other individuals who have taken control of that federal facility in Um, Oregon. I'm not too familiar with John Ritzheimer, Ah. other than he joined Oath Keepers for two months. We kicked him out after he had his 
harebrained plot to go arrest congressman. Okay. But yeah, I know Ammon and, and his brothers. Okay, yeah. fair enough. Uh, well, since you're more familiar with what, what they are thinking than what I am, uh, what is it that you understand the group there is hoping to achieve by taking over that facility? And then we'll talk about why you disagree with them. Well, here, I mean, on Friday, before they even did this, I could tell by Ammon's rhetoric that he was going to do something other than a peaceful protest. And I issued a statement that we have no right, no one has any right, to force the Hammond family into an armed standoff or to form one around them. Um, the family made it very clear that, that Dwight and Stephen were going to turn themselves in. So I made it very clear that we don't support any attempt to go beyond that. I think what's, what the problem is is that they're not respecting the wishes of, of the Hammond family or the locals. In fact, uh, Evan Bundy and Ryan Payne held a town hall meeting two weeks ago in, uh, in Burns where they formed a committee of safety made up of locals, and they told these people in this meeting, you know, you will be in charge, you will be making all the decisions, and obviously that was a lie. They lied to the community. They had, had planned this stage equipment and had truck or uh, trailer loads of, of uh, supplies ready to go. And so they've misled the community and done exactly what we would never do, is go into a community and try to impose our will on them. If you don't want, if someone doesn't want your help, you can't force yourself on them. And what they've done here is, is, is extremely illegitimate because they've become the aggressors. It's not like at Bundy Ranch where we went there to, to prevent that family from being wakeoed, as we call it, from having, uh, you know, they, they had snipers, they had military um, Special Forces veterans who were contractors there. It was pretty clear it was ramping up to a, a, a severe armed confrontation with a potential for another tragedy like, like the Waco, Texas tragedy in 1993. And so that's why we went there to stop that. Here there was no emergency. There's no one being threatened with being killed by the, by the feds. There's, there's no one even asking for help. And so they're trying to manufacture a, a new incident, a new Bundy Ranch, um, on their own without the support of the locals. As far as I know, there's no locals there in that wildlife center. It's entirely people from outside the, the community, and that's just fundamentally illegitimate. Well, if the Hammonds had asked uh, for the protection of that group or of the Oath Keepers, uh, would you guys have protect, uh, have done that? I mean, you offered to protect Kim Davis. She certainly was not under... Uh, she's, of course, the county clerk down in Kentucky who was... Uh, uh, defying uh, court orders to allow uh, marriage equality down in her county, uh, she was not being threatened with her life. She was being threatened to, you know, be be thrown back in jail potentially. So, right. w- would you have uh, um, it's stood with the Hammonds? We would have. We would have had to. Have, I mean, that the first ground zero question is, do they want it? And they said no. So, but if they had asked us, then we would have looked at and said, looked at whether or not it was justified. I think what was done to them under the, the so-called uh, effective death penalty and, and anti-terrorism act of 1996, I believe it was, I think that was egregious. I think minimum sentencing like that is, is, is um, unjust. Mm-hmm. I think the trial judge was correct in, in his decision to give a more, more lenient sentence. And I think it's really a, a horrible byproduct of the drug war, frankly, mm-hmm. that you have all these. This is what kind of it makes me a little bit angry. It's all these, all these hardcore drug warrior conservatives demand minimum sentencing and demand taking away the, the uh, discretion of the judge, and then they get mad when one of their own is, is, is uh, abused by this. I think the Hammonds were abused, but I think the answer 
ultimately is, is to get rid of those minimum sentencing laws. Uh, I don't think they're unjust. Uh, good. I'm glad to hear you say that, because I was going to ask you about it. I suspect it's a, a place where we totally agree. Uh, I want to get to some of the places where we disagree in a minute. but You might be surprised at how okay. much we agree. No, on. no, I hope so. I hope we'll find out. <laughs> um, the uh, minimum... And, and frankly, the yeah. U.S. attorney should never appeal that. It's also, you know, every, every lawyer... Part of the code of conduct of lawyers is, is to do justice, and that was not justice being done. Well, you know, these minimum sentencing laws are, are frankly, a scourge across the country, as, as you uh, sort of referenced there in the, in the drug laws. This seems to me to take away, uh, to result more directly in the loss of actual freedoms. You know, folks ordered to Absolutely. jail, as yeah. well as intruding on you know, local rights, the most local of local rights, uh, you know, the discretion of a judge sitting on a case. Or shouldn't, the jury. I mean, frankly, and the, the jury, jury yeah. should have a role in, in the sentencing. Too. Sure. Well, shouldn't the Patriot Movement, including the Oath Keepers and others, be out there raising holy hell about that, about minimum sentencing and about the I millions agree. of mi- Americans? Right. Well, I agree. Well, where are you guys? <laughs> I'm, I'm, oh, we're all over that. I'm, I'm, a, yeah. I'm a huge fan of juries and, and having the full discretion, not just to decide mm-hmm. to give a more lenient sentence, but but to uh, nullify and refuse to convict. That's the entire point of a jury. All right. Well, is to have the people have the ultimate power in their hands of judgment over each other. Nobody else can should be able to do that. Fair enough. The men who took over the facility in Harney County, Oregon, have suggested that they're willing to kill and be killed in this uh, standoff. They took over the facility with with guns. Uh, And that's resulted in the county having to uh, I'm sorry, the BLM office in the county shutting its doors. The Harney County School District is closed for an entire week. What in hearts and minds? Yeah, all over the place. Well, yeah, but more specifically, because uh, that recalls the, the terror threat out here in Los Angeles, which turned out to be a, a hoax uh, a month or so ago out here in L.A. that closed down the school districts. Local citizens are reportedly terrified by this whole thing. Critics are calling this uh, a, 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 what Bundy and his colleagues are doing as terrorism. Is it terrorism, Stuart Rhodes? Well, I haven't seen a direct um, threat to anybody's life. I think they're, let's put it this way, I think Ryan Payne is either insane or he is an agent provocateur who is in, in Ammon's ear and wants to see violence. I do believe that. I think John Ritzheimer is a loose cannon idiot who has a martyr complex and might well be willing to also initiate violence. I think there are individuals there who are potential, um, I guess you'd call them potential terrorists, I don't think Ammon Bundy has that mindset. I think he sincerely believes that he's going to be able to do this peacefully. I think he's naive. I think he has people, like I said, right there with him who are unstable, who may lead, may, may initiate violence. Um, but as much as we oppose what they're doing, we have to tell the U.S. government they have a responsibility to handle this with kid clubs. They need to handle this like the Freeman standoff, not the Waco standoff. Because if they don't, if they try to go in there and drop a hammer on these guys, it's going to lead to, you know, potentially a civil war in this country because you're going to be a lot pissed off people all over the country um, reacting to it. So we want to try to keep it peaceful. There's no big rush. Just cordon them off and wait them out. Let, let me press you on this point, Stuart. Uh, you, you know, there the, the Bundys, uh, at least according to this reporter, Ryan Bundy, did say he was willing to kill and be killed. I think uh, Ammon Bundy said he was willing to die in this place. You know, it's defensive. I, I, think, I think someone like Ryan Payne or John Ritzheimer if it doesn't look like they're going to get the firefight, they want to, they want to go down in a glorious firefight. 
if they don't get that, it's entirely possible they might initiate it. That's yeah. what I'm saying. The difference is, I think Ryan and and uh, Ammon Bundy, I think they're more, much more um, principled on that and see the, see this defensive. Problem well, is, well, you know their minds. They've been the aggressors. They've aggressed on. They've aggressed and taken over an empty building. Um, like I said, there's no emergency. Who are they defending? You know, so they're 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 perceived now as the aggressors, and that's a. That's fundamentally a, a violation of principle. Would, wouldn't we regard if this was, you know, a, a, a group of Muslims uh, held up saying they were willing to kill or be killed? Wouldn't this be a no-brainer? We would call them terrorists who have taken over a federal building. We wouldn't worry about their mindset or anything else. Don't we have a double standard here uh, in this regard? Um, I mean, look, they, they, there's no hostages. There's there's no statement that they're gonna they're gonna go out and, and murder people. So I mean it's a little bit different than than some jihadi. That's a, it's a, bit, a little bit is apples and oranges. Well, I'm not sure if I agree with you on that, but uh, peaceful disagreement is what all of this is about. I got to take a quick break, Stuart Rhodes, but uh, we'll we'll come back and I want to press uh, my guest, Stuart Rhodes of Oath Keepers, on criticism. Of his organization uh, from a lot of quarters, but uh, even just from a day or two ago from Rolling Stone magazine this week about the Oath Keepers and whether they are uh, racist and more. All of that straight ahead on the broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Stay tuned. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com with you here. Speaking with Stuart Rhodes, president and founder of OathKeepers.org. Stuart Rhodes has uh, chosen to not uh, involve his organization in this ongoing standoff with federal officials up in Oregon at the Malheur National Wildlife Refuge in Oregon, where uh, uh, the Bundy brothers, those uh, the, the son, two of the sons of Cliven Bundy, you remember that standoff back in 2014 in Nevada, uh, two of those brothers and some of their uh, compatriots uh, have taken over a wildlife refuge uh, near the city of Burns, ostensibly uh, to protest uh, the jailing of 73-year-old rancher Dwight Hammond and his son Stephen. The Hammonds have turned themselves over to uh, to authorities to serve their time in jail for arson. And yet these guys are still holding out now in their in their fourth day. Uh, people who uh, Stuart Rhodes has worked with before, the Oath Keepers have worked with before, as I say, back in Nevada, but this time saying, no, uh, we don't agree with their stand this time. We don't want any part of that. Um, okay. I, I want to press you, uh, Stuart, uh, a little bit about your own organization, I, because I, I, you know, I support your right. I support anyone's right to protest, even when I don't agree with with what uh, they may be protesting or how they've decided to protest, as long as it's peaceful. So unlike unlike the uh, students at Yale, then, right? Uh, what do you mean? No, which which students at Yale are you talking about? I'm being facetious. The, the, at my alma mater, they have the students who, who who want safe spaces and they want to curtail free speech in the name of, of uh, preserving a safe space. Okay. Well, no, I, I wasn't referring to that, but we can go into that if you want to. I, I think that's, yeah, that's okay. fair enough. I, I mean, I've I've defended a lot of people uh, and voters, uh, for example, who I completely disagree with and their right to vote uh, and to protest and so forth. Um, I agree, and, and, and I have as well. 
Uh, and I know, and including your old uh, your old boss Ron Paul, I've I've gone to bat for him for years, and others who I disagree with way more than I disagree with Ron Paul. But why didn't you guys? I've been wanting to been trying to understand this. Uh, why didn't you guys, meaning the Oath Keepers, the, uh, uh, the the Liberty Movement, and so forth? Why didn't you guys come to the aid of the Occupy Movement protesters when they were literally brutally uh, brutalized by federal, state, and local we officials? Did. Uh, we you did. did? I wrote a letter, and it was uh, the uh, I believe it was the show, the um, Chavez Memorial Park in Sacramento. We had Occupy people there, mm-hmm. and the local police were going to use some some vagrancy law law against you know camping out in the park against them. And I wrote a letter to be read out loud to the town council there, um, supporting their right to be there. So actually, we did go in defense of the uh, Occupy people. Well, Stuart, uh, you wrote a letter. That's different than, uh, you know, you guys showed up with guns and aimed them at uh, federal officials at the Bundy because Ranch. we were concerned about people being murdered, so that, that's the difference. Weren't, weren't so, you concerned? I mean, they were cracked down. It was, it was brutal. It was violent. What happened to those protesters? Um, so what, what do you want me to do? Go in and, and fire on the police? No, I don't. Across the country? No, of course not. I'm trying to figure right. out. We so saw actual we, big we, government tyranny there. a situation there. where we think... American citizens of any political stripe are about to be murdered, we will step in. Um, so uh, short of that, I'm going to use what I can. Like, for example, in Ferguson, we wrote a letter to the governor. You can go look it up, Governor Nixon. Mm-hmm. I mean, basically threatening him, saying, look, if you, if you don't stop using tear gas and rubber bullets on the entire crowd and, and trying to impose these absurd curfews in violation of the right to assemble and free speech, you know, at some point you're going to face us in the streets. Us veterans are not going to stand for this. You can't wipe away the First Amendment. So, you know, we, we gave some pretty strong warnings. I mean, I guess we could have gone with guns in hand and, and, and uh, confronted the police, but that was the next step. So uh, you're faulting me for not going all the way, right? No, I'm really not trying to fault you at all. I'm trying to understand because okay. I really don't understand. I, you know, if someone's going to be murdered, we'll, we'll, we'll be there to stop it. Um, look at what happened with the move compound in Philadelphia. That was wrong. Okay, that was that was a use of military force inside the United States. Whether I agree, agree with their political views or not, that was that was horrible, horribly handed. So it was Waco. I don't agree with the French Davidians on a lot of things. I think Adam Koresh was an idiot. But the people there did not deserve to be murdered. And people, so, and this is where we're at. Well, we don't care what your political views are. We don't want Americans to be murdered by their own government. We don't believe in military rules of engagement or military uh, the militarization of our police. Here's where I and and I believe that's how you feel, and I believe that's what is reflected in your uh, in your letters and so forth. But there's a difference to the way that you responded in uh, at the Bundy Ranch than you did in Oakland, California, when you know literally veterans were getting shot in the head with tear gas canisters, almost dying, fighting for their lives. Uh, even in Ferguson that you mentioned. Uh, the the uh, what, uh, Rolling Stone article well, we, out we were this told week. by locals that it, there would be an extremely volatile situation uh-huh. um, for a bunch of white guys to try to insert themselves into the crowds. And you'll see you saw what happened this, this just recently. We had a few guys go out and guard uh, some journalists. People reacted extremely negatively to us. And so the first time around in Ferguson, we just simply protected private property. We were there. Um, we did stand up, and, and like I said, very publicly for the rights of the of the protesters. And our guys on the ground told us that when we were there, the police tended to behave themselves more than 
but we weren't out in the street with rifles in our hands because a lot of the protesters don't trust anybody who's white. So that's not my fault. That's their fault. Okay? So, you know, which one is it? Do you want me to insert myself and then, then be accused of, of going in there to, to cause trouble with guns in my hands? Or do you want me to stay out? I mean, it just looks like no matter what we do, we get demonized. I'm, I'm actually, and Stuart, speaking with Stuart Rhodes, president and founder of OathKeepers.org, I'm not trying to demonize you at all. I'm really, I really am trying I mean, to you know, understand. So I'm, I'm, my point is that yeah. the organizers of the marches there didn't, didn't want us to be there. We were, they accused us of being KKK and all kinds of crap mm-hmm. just because we had a different skin color. So as far as I'm concerned, they reacted to us and reacted to us in a very racist way. Uh, so we guarded black businesses and, and businesses owned by white people and Chinese people and Korean people. We don't care what color they are. We, we want to show which. In fact, the whole point was to show the locals what they should be doing for themselves. That was the bigger message to them: is that you should be doing this for yourself. Well, we want you to 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 be your own security. Uh, in Rolling Stone this week, uh, one of the uh, now former Oathkeeper members from Missouri, Sam, Adam, uh, Sam Adru- Andrews, is profiled. He was uh, 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 reportedly working to organize with African-American protesters in Ferguson. Uh, but the, as the article notes... With my blessings. Uh, with my blessings. The head of the Missouri chapter of the Oath Keepers told him to, quote, quit doing MLK impressions, that it would be perceived as pitting blacks against police. And they report, in, in any event, uh, that, the, uh, that you and the board of uh, Oath Keepers were against Sam and- Andrews working with uh, uh, local African-Americans. Uh, That's false. That's false. Sam Andrews is lying. He's actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to post my, my uh, emails with him mm-hmm. to show what a liar he is. We supported it in our march. Um, I gave him the green light to do it. We want this done. It was his rhetoric to Newsweek where he talked about it's one thing to throw a rock at police and say, I hate you. It's another thing to say, have a rifle in your hand and say, you know, you will not abuse me. And I said, look, we're, we don't want to make it look like we're arming looters. We're arming the good people of Ferguson, and we're going to train them and have them do an open carry march. That was my only bone of contention was his language. And he's flat lying when he says that we did not want him to do an open carry march. In fact, there's, a, there's an article on our site I'll, I'll send to you okay. where it talks about how we have new leadership in Missouri after he left, and John Carriman is going to be leading the march. So we intended to go forward with, with, with the plans to do an open carry march. So that's a, just a flat lie. He's, he's, he's adopted the smear campaign of Southern Poverty Law Center to try to paint us as racist because of his own personal vendetta. He's just a psychopathic liar. Okay. So I'll, I'll post I'll post the emails. You okay. can check them out. I, I appreciate that. Uh, last that. summer uh, at a Walmart in Ohio, which is an open carry state, an African American John Crawford was killed by police while examining an air gun in the aisle. A few months yeah, later, Tamir Rice, a 12 year old African American from Cleveland, was shot dead by Cleveland police within two seconds. And that, that officer should have been charged with murder. There's absolutely no justification for that. Okay, good. I'm glad to hear you say that. With that said, he wants the video. He, what he should have yeah. done is at a distance. That's what you have a, a PA system for in your car. That's what you have loudspeakers sure. on, on the car for. You pull away at a distance where you're not in immediate exposure to threat, and you hail the kid on a bullhorn and say, whatever's in your pocket, take it out and put it on the ground. Sure. You know? So yeah, that's what well, we do. What it, they did there was an assassination. It, it seems a no-brainer, but we see that all over the country. And uh, Laquan McDonald in Chicago shot 17 uh, or 16 yeah. times by Chicago police. You say that you're out there protecting people from being murdered by, uh, by well, by big government. We're seeing this all over the place. Well, Isn't that gr- a greater threat than uh, a rancher well, sure. in Nevada? How am I supposed to 
checked some kid in the park. I mean, I can't put a bodyguard on on every child in America. What we can do is is stand up and say this is wrong and condemn it and tell the police that, you know, they're losing credibility across the country. The the people who used to think of police as the good guys, officer-friendly, are now looking at police as, as an oppressor. And so the police need to clean their ranks. So we do what we can to influence from the inside, influence police officers to clean up their own act. Uh, do, but, do, you know, we have a long way to go. As, yeah. as I think it was Officer Serpico um, this last year, did a, I think it was Politico, wrote an article and said, we're not where we need to be. He, this is from 1972. He, he exposed corruption, and he talked about how we need to be where the good cops fear the, or the bad cops fear the good cops. We're not there yet. The, the good cops don't turn in the bad cops, mm-hmm. and that is a problem. And but, you know, I, what do you want me to do? Go shoot cops? No, I don't, I don't want you to go okay. shoot anyone, Stuart. Right? I, yeah, I, I, I don't want to either. No, so. I, uh, but I, I just it, there seems to be a different way that uh, you not well, just I mean, your group, it, but it, you, you know, yours and others. The ramping up and, and, a, and a clear standoff happening. So that's a little bit different than a police officer on a traffic stop. Or, or like with the uh, the shooting of that twelve year old kid in Cleveland, you know, how do we prevent that with arms? We can't. It's, it's, we can't be preemptive on that. When I see when I see a potential standoff that's going to lead to bloodshed, then mm-hmm. I can step in and say, "Cool your jets. Don't treat this like it's you know mm-hmm. a Delta Force raid. You're not freaking Delta Force. Look at look for example. Look at Jose Arena, the the uh, Marine veteran in Tucson who was murdered by the SWAT team for the the uh, the sheriff's department down there in Tucson. We protested that. He was accused of being affiliated with the cartels. He was accused of all kinds of crap. Of course, we'll, we'll never know because he's dead. He's never going to have a trial. But the use of the SWAT team in that way was wrong. Just to serve a search warrant. And so we went down there and protested. I lost a lot of cops after we did that. I lost, I lost board members. I lost you know, national board members. I lost state chapter presidents because they didn't like us protesting cops. But we did it because it was right. Well, we see hundreds, uh, if not thousands, of people uh, who are killed, uh, usually, you know, often unarmed, uh, usually black, uh, by police officials all not over the always, country. Though. Look at Jose Ferreira. <clears throat> well, black. no, I, I didn't say always, but this happens okay. all the time. We're talking about not isolated incidents, apparently, but, you know, hundreds of incidents around the country. Shouldn't you guys, since a lot of you are former cops and, and uh, uh, you know, veterans, military veterans, Shouldn't you guys be on the front line holding those uh, we, organizations we accountable, protesting outside the Cleveland police, protesting outside Rahm Emanuel's office until he steps down in Chicago, whatever it takes? Because isn't that really the threat against uh, the civilian population? Well, well, it's one of them, absolutely. I, th- I think the, the militarization of the police and the increase in the police, I mean, this is like, like Superco said, he said, but when a police officer goes out on his beat, he knows in his head that if he wants to, he can kill almost anybody and get away with it. And this is the problem. The prosecutors will not prosecute cops. Look at what happened just now, right, with the Rice case. You know, mm-hmm. a, a, a grand jury will indict a ham sandwich mm-hmm. if the prosecutor wants it. But the prosecutors never prosecute police, very, very rarely. So it is a problem. You are correct. And we do need to be forward on that. And so we will be more aggressive. I just talked to my board about this the other night. Mm-hmm. We're going to be much more aggressive this year in calling out bad cops. And I'm going to call, Good. first thing I'll be doing this week is publishing a piece on the Rice case Good. and calling it what it was. It was an assassination. 
So we have to, and I'm sure I'll lose more cops. That's okay. I can't have my organization be an empty tiger or a paper tiger when it comes mm-hmm. to police. Well, good. So you're right. Uh, good. I, I know. I am glad to hear you that because I don't mean to be critical, but I am d- uh, disturbed because it did seem like a serious double standard. When I saw what well, was going you know, on. Here, here's the hey, problem. Hey, hey, in human nature, and this is obviously no uh, excuse for not doing it, but in human nature, it's always whose ox is being gored, right? Look at Kim Davis. I, I don't really care about gay marriage. I could care less if someone, I mean, frankly, if someone wants to go get married, fine. But we didn't, we weren't protecting her, offering her protection because we agreed with her viewpoint. We, we were trying to stand up for the right of the people to not be subject to some judge pointing his finger and saying, carry her away until she changes her, her convictions. That was our concern, was, was the use of the contempt power as an arbitrary detention power. Uh, of course, that was lost on tons of people. I lost people in an organization who are hardcore libertarians and, and or, or homosexuals themselves in, in favor of gay marriage because they couldn't wrap their head around the principle what we were talking about. It's not her viewpoint. Mm-hmm. It's the fact that this is being done to her. And it's the same thing with any standoff. People always want to seize on this person's a bad person because of who they are. Like, look at, look at Occupy. We lost people when we stood up for the free speech rights of the Occupy people. Even though we didn't go out there with guns in hand, what we did was enough to piss off some of our people because, hey, those are dirty hippies. We don't like them. This is just a problem with human nature. We do have an obligation to try to be consistent, but it's a factor. You've got, you know, I can only do so much with these people. And you can only do so much with your progressives through the same friggin' way. <laughs> Go look right now on Twitter and all over the web about what they're saying about the bunny situation in Oregon. They want blood. They want them to be crushed. They want them to be bombed drone strikes or whatever it takes to kill no, 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 no. blood thirst that's out there right now. You're saying they want them to kill the folks who are up in Oregon? Yeah, I can send you quotes. All right. Well, look on Alex Jones' uh, channel. He's got a whole article about all these uh, calls for violence against the, the people in the standoff, calls for military force to be used rather right. than negotiation or, or waiting them out. Well, I'd have to see it. I'm, I'm often well, dubious of, of Alex Jones, even though I've been on his show over the years, and he's linked to bradblog.com. He's, he's, all he's doing is, uh, is, is uh, reposting yeah. Twitter posts. All right. Okay. All right. Uh, fair enough. Uh, before I let you go, uh, Stuart, you had, since you mentioned uh, Kim Davis, uh, uh, and and you, what you described as a, an arbitrary uh, judge deciding what the law is, if if it's not for the no, judge... No, I, I didn't say that. I said he was using his contempt power uh-huh. to try to coerce her convictions. Um, he had, a, he had a, a case in front of him. Before he even heard her answer, mm-hmm. he just ordered her carried away until she complied. It's just not how you do things. You, 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 ha- you have briefs. Mm-hmm. You you get your your uh, your complaint, you get your answer, and then you go off from there. Well, the question that I'm getting to with with both Kim Davis and with the Bundy situation, and now the situation in Oregon, you've had a you know a court of law, you had due process, but uh, you or and or the Patriot Movement and or the Bundys disagreed with the due process of the court of law, said it was I didn't unconstitutional. Say that. I, I disagreed with the, with what was done in the sentencing. I think that was egregious. And you agree with that, too. Uh, I didn't no. say that, that the jury was wrong. Uh, no, you know, jury, I do, too. The jury convicted them. But, here's what, but here's what I'm saying. When I've heard uh, from the you know, Patriot Movement such and such, this is an unconstitutional finding, an unconstitutional decision by a judge, it, it, it's not up to you or I, I don't think, to decide what is and isn't constitutional. Mm, Haven't actually, it is, that? in the end. It, it, is, it is up to us. So we so, can so overrule when, so when the, the court, court system? system? When the Supreme Court passed down the Korematsu decision in World War II uh-huh. and said it's okay to intern 100,000 Japanese Americans, that made it constitutional? Do you N- really believe that? No, but it made it legal. 
Did it not? No, it didn't make it legal. The Constitution is the supreme law of the land. Do you and I get to decide uh, what we believe is or isn't constitutional? Don't we have to cede that to a court of law, Stuart? I don't. The, the Supreme Court is not the final arbiter and the sole arbiter of the meaning of the Constitution. Otherwise, why should they take an oath to it? They should just take an oath to, I will support and defend whatever I decide is right. Who is the final arbiter? So you have an, everyone who's sworn the oath, this is the whole point of the oath, has an obligation to decide whether or not the orders that are being given or the things that are being done are constitutional. It's messy, but that's, that's how freedom is. And I'm concerned that leads to chaos. There's so much that I disagree with yeah, with maybe. this court. But you, but, but, like, like I said, yeah. look at Korematsu. Wouldn't you have liked the, the active duty military to refuse to intern American citizens? Uh, of course. Or well, no, actually. Say, well, just following orders. Hey, the, the court said it's okay, so we're just going to go ahead and do it. So if the Supreme Court um, sanctions death camps, would you be okay with that? Uh, well, not death camps, but opposing uh, what the court does is one thing. Uh, holding a gun. So, if you were a soldier in World it. War II in California, yeah. Yeah. and you were ordered to go around with Japanese Americans, you would do it because the court said it's okay. I don't know. I think. On what a, grounds would you refuse? No, I think that's a good question. I think it's a fair question. Your, your point is, is that you can't. Once the Supreme Court has spoken, you can't refuse. You must you must carry out the order. You raise a good point. I don't so know fast that. Forward. Yeah. The Supreme Court in the Hamdi case in two thousand four said it's okay for the U.S. government to hold U.S. citizens as unlawful combatants without a grand jury indictment, mm-hmm. without jury trial, mm-hmm. and military detention on the say-so of the president alone. So does that make it okay? I totally disagree with that uh, that ruling. I would take measures to protest it, to stop it, to reverse it. But what if you were, what if you were a commander of a special forces unit and you were ordered to go and, and detain American citizens? Um, like, say, for example, mm-hmm. the, the, the protest leaders in Ferguson, mm-hmm. would you do it? You know what? You ra- I think you raise a fair point, and I think that there are uh, too many people who, who do do it, who do follow unconstitutional orders. I'm just not sure who gets to make that decision, and well, if everyone that's, that's, that's in uniform... The point is, is in the end, it yeah. has to be that the person on the ground has to, has to look at the order and say whether it's lawful or not. And, they, and look, they're exposed to being prosecuted if, if they're wrong. This is this is the, you know look, mm-hmm. look at look at lieutenant look at uh, lieutenant uh, um, Cali from the Milai massacre. He said he was just following orders, just just uh, obeying orders, and he was found guilty of of violating the rights of the people that he murdered in, in Milai. So he had an individual obligation to say no. Now later. Um, it might be that the but, order turns out to be lawful, mm-hmm. and then you're in the hot seat, too, because you disobeyed a lawful order. So either way, you're in the hot seat. But isn't there a difference between uh, a, a, a uniformed uh, official, uh, you know, military or whatever, and you guys, veterans, former uh, military, showing up with guns and pointing them at federal officials in, in places like the Bundy Ranch? So if, if for example, there's another move situation where they've barricaded uh, people in, in a building and they're about to drop a bomb on them, and we find out about that, we're supposed to stand by and do nothing. That's what you're saying. I saw them uh, trying to take uh, the Bundys potentially uh, to jail. Not even. They were uh, taking their cattle. It didn't seem to me like they were trying to kill them. But um, you see had, it differently. They had sniper teams deployed. They, they, we, knew, we knew ahead of time, and it was confirmed later, they had special forces, veterans there as their contractors. You don't send guys like that just to do a roundup. They're killers. That's what they do. Okay. It seems and that should not be done inside the United States. Let the local sheriff do it. Let the cops handle it. You don't bring in military force. That's why we went there. Stuart Rhodes, before That's we the go? the only reason we were there. We didn't go there to get cattle back. We went there to get the... 
to keep the Bundy family from being murdered. They then took advantage of that situation and went and got their cattle back. But we went there originally just to protect them. The Bundys took advantage of you guys being there? Yeah, clearly. They didn't say, come help us, come help us uh, arms, you know, with armed supporters yeah. to go uh, get our cattle back. That's not what they did. They said, you know, we're about to be murdered. Come protect us. And so Eamon Bundy has displayed the, the propensity to deceive people. And he's doing that right now. In Oregon, how does this, uh, before I let you go, how does this uh, Oregon standoff resolve itself, Stuart Rhodes? Well, that's up to the feds. I really hope they coordinate them off and just wait them out. And hopefully they can nab the most troublesome ones like Ryan Payne um, on, you know, one at a time, mm-hmm. if there's any way to do that, rather than going in there and dropping a hammer. They need to handle this very, very carefully. There are a lot of people across this country who no longer trust the government, um, do not see it as legitimate, and they're very angry. And so mm-hmm. they, the people in, in power need to understand that. They need to understand what kind of powder cake they're dealing with. And so, you know, whether I think it's right or not, you're going to get a, a, a very strong, violent reaction across the country if those guys are, if it's perceived that they're murdered unjustly. So I... due process, once again. Yep. Oh. Wait them out, arrest them, then go through due process. Don't. Just bring in the military. Stuart Rhodes, president and founder of OathKeepers.org. Really appreciate you uh, talking to me today, Stuart, and, and, and letting me uh, hold your feet a bit to the fire. I uh, hope we can do it again in the future, sir. You bet. That was fun. Thank you. Stuart Rhodes, check out his work and his organization at OathKeepers.org. Okay, I got to get out. My thanks to Desi Doyen, our producer, to our booking goddess, Cynthia Cohn, and of course to Stuart Rhodes. My thanks again to uh, the awesome RadioOrNot.com's Nicole Sandler for filling in for us uh, over the holidays. Greatly appreciated. All right, we will be back with you. Same Brad time, same Brad channel tomorrow. Until then, you can find me on the Twitters at the Brad Blog, also uh, the Brad Blog over on Facebook. You can drop me email. I am Bradcast at bradblog.com and if there's anything else I forgot to tell you because I've been away so long uh, I'll, I'll think of it tomorrow until then I'm Brad Friedman good luck world good luck world